another wonderful day in Lincoln. Always, like always. So, like always. And so we are continuing our series of interviews with candidates, specifically candidates now for, for city council. And uh, today we have Elena Newman, and she's running for District 3, and that is uh, the district that Jane Raybould um, did have before she went to the legislature. And I think there is a uh, there was a, a mayor-appointed person, I can't remember her name, Elena, maybe you know, who's the uh, temporary. Yeah. yeah, she was appointed. They went through a, a appointment process. The city council actually chose yeah, a replacement, and, I think, and they Michelle Suarez is her name. There we go. All right, uh, we have Elena Newman, and Elena, let's start off if you could, and uh, give our listeners just a background story. Tell us where you're from and how you came to be where you are now, running for city council. So my story is quite lengthy, and and many people have heard me talk about where I came from and who I am, but. I immigrated to the United States in 1993. Um, I am a communism survivor and a genocide survivor. So my family escaped the former USSR. Um, we were, my people are part of the, we're Armenian, uh, that's our ethnicity. But then due to various land disputes, religious disputes, all of those kinds of things, uh, our people were kind of pushed into Azerbaijan Baku, which is where I was born. And at four years old, my family experienced another one of those events where um, people infiltrated our apartment and um, my brother and I were getting ready to go down for a nap. And we were given a choice um, if we, we could either stay there and be killed or we could leave and have a, a chance to live. And so my family left and a lot of people in that apartment complex left we were loaded onto a bus and um, taken by the railroad tracks. And then uh, after us some time, we were put on a plane and sent over to Moscow. Um, then we went over to Rostov-on-Don where we were getting our paperwork ready to come to the United States. And then in 1993 is, where, is, is when we actually landed in the United States and I was 10 years old at the time. So there was a six year period between me experiencing that traumatic event in my life to us coming to the United States and, and finally being able to start, for lack of a better word, living. Um, since then, I went to, obviously graduated high school, went to college, went to UNL, got my, um, after that, got my master's, after that, got my PhD. And I have a, um, my kiddo, um, she is 15 years old and I have a two-year-old fur baby and my husband and I uh, do a lot of things uh, just on our own, uh, on a volunteer basis, I guess. One of the things we do is we uh, perform in various nursing communities and assisted living communities because we, both of us are ballroom dancers. And so we bring the joy of dance uh, to, we try to bring the joy of dance to people. Um, other than that, I'm a teacher, I'm a, an educator. I've been with Southeast Community College since 2008. Um, I teach psych and soch, and then I am also a pharmacy technician. I've been doing that for about 20 years, and I also own my own small business. So I do, I work with um, publishers and individuals who wanna polish their writing. And as if I don't have enough to do, I decided to run for politics. So here I am. Tell us uh, why you think this is a, a, 
a pursuit that you would uh, do well at? I've actually been in human service for my entire life. It's all I've ever done. And so being on the city council gives me another way to serve. And the thing that kind of springboarded the whole process was the um, July 2020 riots. And then there was a um, just everything just kind of started rolling uh, very quickly um, to where I started seeing very similar things uh, that my family and I fled. And I'm continuing to see some things that are very concerning to me as an immigrant refugee and as a person who basically lost everything and had to start over. And now I am in a place where I can actually feel like I'm contributing and I may have to, if things don't change, we might all find ourselves in a situation where we all have to start over. And I don't think that should happen twice in anyone's lifetime. And so I want to, I want to run because I want to educate and I want, you know, I want us to start having hard conversations. I want us to start building bridges rather than um, be so apart from one another. Um, I want us to become a community again. That's one of the things um, that I noticed in the United States when I first came. I come from a world of fighting. Uh, that's why we came to the United States. And I noticed that people in Lincoln, Nebraska, were very helpful, um, were very caring, were very supportive. And I want to I want to help bring that back. I want to keep keep working on that and um, be better at it and not be so tense all the time. Not, you know, not I, I just want people to start working explain together. Explain more. Explain more about your your thoughts about the July 2020 riots and how that how do you see that situation potentially causing the kinds of issues or leading to potentially kinds of issues that you're that you're concerned about can you explain a little further on that it's it's that's kind of the that started the whole thing um just lack of accountability um lack of, of um you know holding uh, all the damage that was done lack of holding people accountable um the other thing that i noticed was my I actually started patrolling my house and I couldn't, I didn't realize why I was doing that. And when I finally had kind of this epiphany, um, the, when our apartment was infiltrated back home, they infiltrated our apartment from the windows and the doors. So I started um, patrolling my house, protecting entrances to my house. I, where I'm from is a, a very, it was a very violent place. It was a very unsettling place. And so, you know, when I, when I'm seeing chaos, when I'm seeing chaos on such a mass scale, it, it brings back all the feelings of fear and all the feelings of, you know, it, it's a very real reality that things could get out of hand, um, even here. And then from that point on, I started paying attention to policies. I started paying attention to, um, you know, what our executive branch was doing. I noticed that the executive, judicial, legislative branch didn't respect their boundaries anymore. They kind of just did whatever, whenever, however. And um, we started printing money, um, an exorbitant amount of money, uh, which is one of the reasons the USSR economy collapsed, not once, but twice. 
And so that brought with it some fear. Um, the fact that we're having formula shortages and food shortages and fuel shortages. Um, I, I grew up in uh, the world of rations. Uh, we were rationed a certain amount of butter, certain amount of cheese, certain amount of meat. So all of that kind of came full, you know, full front in front of me where I started actually being scared about potentially re-experiencing what my family fled. All the policies of, you know, going all green. And yes, I, I believe we do have, you know, there are things we can do to be mindful of, of how, you know, we handle our everyday life. But it really scares me when when the push is for everybody to go on the same electric source because that's where I came from and the powers that be could ch shut off electricity anytime they wanted. Um, we had hot water from 4 to 6 p.m. I mean, those kinds of things and those kinds of policies are a very real threat to people who have fled horrible circumstances. Do you really think that's what happened here? I mean, on a scale of zero to 100, what's your, what's your confidence level that that's the road we're on? I can't tell you, what I can tell you is what I'm observing. Um, and so I'm not, I'm on the outside looking in based on my experience and based on things that I've experienced. It's not, it's not, you know, it's not beyond, um, you know, US is not exempt. And just because we are, you know, our, our, um, the way we live is a little bit different. We're still, um, you know, we could still experience those things if, if decisions aren't made, uh, to ensure that those things don't happen. And I'm not a pessimist, but I am a realist. And again, I have a very different perspective than many people living in the United States. I I've seen things that, mo that most people have not seen. So if you're elected to the city council, what specific policies do you have in mind that would help protect against going down that path? So one of the things I, the last time I ran in the election, I had a platform. I still have the same platform. Um, constitution and the Bill of Rights. Again, I come from a country where a constitution didn't exist. A Bill of Rights didn't exist. We were owned by the government. We did, you know, we had to do what the government said we had to do. Um, we didn't have rights. We didn't even have rights for food. We didn't have rights to electricity. We didn't have rights to water. We didn't have rights to anything. We didn't have rights to shelter. Um, and so I, I wanna, we need to go back to, you know, looking at our constitution and living our constitution. Elena, um, but you're running for city council. I know, I know, but there so, are there so, are so locally policies. How will you right, protect local, that? Local policies are this are the same. Um, the ability of people to buy a home in the way that they want, the ability of people to be able to use whatever stove they want in their home, not being able to not being limited to an electric stove or an electric car or a you know, those are the, the freedoms. Those are the things that I'm talking about. Uh, religious freedom, freedom to worship whenever you want, however you want. Um, those Has are the city council very... limited religious freedom in Lincoln. Hmm. 
Has the city council limited religious freedom in Lincoln? No, but the policies that could potentially be put in place could do those things. So, for example, when the city was shut down and people couldn't worship or go to church, for some people, that is a livelihood. That is one of the things that keeps them going every every week. And wow. in the United States, we have that religious freedom. We have the freedom of religion for a reason. Um, whereas other countries that they they don't they don't you know yeah. they they kind of dictate what? a lot of a lot of things. So that's one of my that's one part of my platform. The yeah. second one speak, is yeah. so Elena, uh, speak to the economic. Uh, policies locally that you would support and, and put forward on the city council? So that's the second and the third part of my platform. So the second part of my platform is um, transparency and accountability. And the one thing that people to ask me or, or talk to me about is the budget. They're very concerned about the city budget. They want to know where their money is going. They want to be more, um, they want to have more of a say um, of where their money is going. A lot of people are upset with the roads. The roads are not in the best condition. We're paying taxes, but it doesn't seem like it's doing any good. Um, as far as, uh, so the, the transparency has to be there. If, if I went on the website and tried to understand the budget, the city budget right now, it's endless. It keeps going and going and going. It's very hard to understand. You have to spend an exorbitant amount of time trying to understand it. And it's, um, you know, we have slush funds. We have funds where we don't know what that money is being used for. Is that true, Elena? Can you, can you define two or three That's, slush funds? Well, here's the thing. Um, the, the items, there are certain projects that people are questioning. They are wondering, what is this thing? What is this project? Um, what what does it go towards? What does this money help accomplish? Um, the line items aren't clear uh, about what that money is 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 being used for. So one of the things that was brought up is the the spending, um, you know, the overall spending specifically for roads, specifically for why is the money not being used that's allocated to roads to roads? What other projects are the is this money being used for? Um, that's a question people are asking. That's a, that's a very valid question. Um, the other thing is we've lost so many small businesses during the last two and a half years. Small businesses, um, influence the economy. They're, they're, the growth that is generated by a small business is more so than that of a corporation. And there was a study, there's a statistic that from Forbes, um, so let's see, according to Forbes of the new jobs created between, um, 1995 and 2020, small businesses accounted for 62% of that growth. Um, and oh. so we need to bring small businesses back. We need to help small businesses. We need to make sure that, um, they are thriving and we lost a lot of small businesses because of of the of the decisions that were made they were shut down they couldn't function that seems like a good stop point for our break lynn do you agree yeah let's take yeah let's take a break and so we're speaking with elena newman running for district three for city council 
Don't go anywhere. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes. Welcome back to Our Street, Lynn Fisher and Kurt Elder. And we're talking with, uh, speaking tonight with uh, Elena Newman, and she's running for District 3 City Council seat. And uh, before the break, we were talking about uh, uh, policies that Elena would would uh, put forward or try to reinforce about uh, freedoms and support for small business, transparency and accountability in the budget for the city. So, so Elena, tell us more about um, what you see are the budgetary priorities uh, for the city. So just kind of start generally and, and uh, you can start with the main ones and then uh, let us know what other what other priorities down the line you see and uh, what are you hear what are you hearing from constituents out there as you're knocking on doors so specifically in my district um we've had the discussion of the roundabout on 14th and old cheney and then that warlick area that's been a topic of discussion for a very long time i quoted 10 years but someone told me it's been like more than more 20 years um that that discussion has been has been you know has been had and nothing has kind of come forward as a result of that so we need to like get things moving you know moving in that direction what are we doing with that um as far as other things within the city our city is growing and our police department is lacking they're lacking people on the ground and so you know what's going on can we invest we need to invest some resources in order to ensure that our city is safe that the response time is adequate um, so that people can get the help that they need. Um, the other thing is our mental health crisis. Uh, the pandemic brought with it a huge uh, mental health crisis. And the specifically anxiety and depression are up 200%. And so we need to invest some resources in, into those um, into that area as well. And then taxes. Um, Lincoln is not very uh, attractive to young couples. Um, it's very expensive to live here. And a lot of people, uh, their valuations came through, their home valuations, and anywhere from like 20-ish to 30-ish percent increase in valuations, many people can't afford their houses. And and so, you know, what can we do with that? What, how can we, um, you know, sure. how can we make <laughs> Lincoln more attractive uh, to young families. So if I could just get a couple of questions here, Lynn, just, just to keep us going forward. Uh, what I'm hearing is that a lot of this feels like there's just, as as you would say, Elena, is that there's just a lack of education about knowing how certain things work. When you ran for office, you were on our show last time, I had asked if you had watched any of the budget hearings. Did you watch any of the budget hearings this time around and have you been using that experience if you did to inform those people you talked to so the budget hearings what I, I i get really confused at those hearings when i when i do watch them i've watched a couple of them but i get really confused because there are so many um if and, and if i'm confused i can't even imagine i mean i i can't imagine how how people how, how how to explain it to other people, because I can't even put it in in a, in a nice um, in a nice package to be able to present it to people in a way that makes sense to me. Uh, there's so many different uh, parts, and um, it 
some things don't make sense to me and I'm very hands-on. Like I wanna sit down with someone and I want to dissect it. I wanna look at it, I want to understand it, I wanna know where, um, you know, where we're going with each line item, what that line item is for. Um, have we discussed about moving budgetary, um, redistributing the, the budget? So for example, if you have like more of a snowstorm um, expense, can we move some of the money into that budget? And I know we have an emergency fund. We know the city has an emergency, I know the city has an emergency fund, but how can we stretch the budget um in order to to do that i have to understand it i i'm not the a person to just look at something and go okay i want to understand it completely understand it and then i can explain it so the budget proposal is 263 pages it's 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 a fair bit of reading but it is broken down into you know policies of how it comes about um uh, the budget process that's about five pages of reading which is a, a pretty quick creed. I've I've read the whole thing. That's why I I, I, I just know this. Uh, he had also said a little bit uh, a piece about uh, the assessor raising home prices and and that's you know twenty thirty percent up. Um, the assessor is a county official and they're just following state statute. When you talk to people, do you let them know that that's set by the state legislature and not by city council? Well, the conversations that we have are not centered around that. The conversations we have are, what can we do to lower taxes um, at the end of the day? What can we do with the tax situation um, on the local level? Some of, the, some of the things are legislative in nature, and I know the legislature is debating epic tax right now, um, but people are, people are very concerned how they're supposed even though it is set um on a uh, in a legislature on a legislature level how are they supposed to make ends meet and they view the city council as a place to go to see if other areas can be addressed um and then we can handle the legislative process so yeah. So before each of these interviews, I always look up your accountability and disclosure commission reports just to understand more about who is supporting candidates, what's their impact look like. And we know, we know that like a district race costs about $100,000-ish to run su su successfully. Um, and your in your first uh, four-way through, you had about donors, 16 of them were from Lincoln for a total of about a couple thousand bucks uh your cash on hand last report said you would have 700 and there's not a current report out to know where you are so my question to you is is are you holding off to the last minute to uh which many candidates do just to file your you know, next line of paperwork and um how's the income how's the donations coming in for you so much of my campaign is run by me um and that has to do with how i position myself as a candidate I am an independent candidate, so I am well aware that as an independent candidate, much of the expenses are on me, and I am okay with that. Um, as far as uh, reports go, I file reports whenever the disclosure office tells me to file a report. There's another one due March 6th. So um, the donations do come in, are used for uh, mailings and they're used for tangible things like literature and signs. Everything else, as far as campaign kickoff expenses, all of that kind of stuff, I I spend out of pocket. 
it all comes out of mine of my budget so i believe in fiduciary responsibility and i believe in spending um my donors uh donations in a in a, a very responsible way and so that's why you're seeing my the, my budget the way that you're seeing it um i'm not you know i i, I don't I don't have the budget. I don't have the exorbitant funds uh, that many other candidates have. Uh, but what I can do, what I can tell you is even what I lack in funding, I lack in life experience, or I um, I gain in life experience and, and the experience that can I can bring to the council and the perspective that I can bring to the council. So, so let's talk a little bit about uh, the mental health crisis issue. You, you mentioned that a couple of times. And so, um, I think here in the paper the last couple of days, there was a lot said about these group homes that uh, are supposed to be serving the the folks that might have some uh, a substance abuse recovery issues and such. And the city council voted not to uh, give an accommodation to one in particular. So what are your thoughts about that situation? Honestly, it's kind of disappointing. Um, it's very disappointing to me because I've spent, I mean, I've spent a lot of much of my, um, academic career in, in psych. And I know that mental health impacts so much of, uh, so much of our life. Um, and especially after a pandemic, we should be utilizing every, uh, possible avenue to address some of these crises that are, are coming, that are becoming, um, I mean, that, that are potentially, well, they are um, exacerbated or were exacerbated by the pandemic. And it, it's very disappointing to me that that was shut down, that that was not addressed, that that was not approved. Um, it, it's, yeah, it's disappointing. That's all I can say about that. Yeah. Well, it's a very complicated issue for sure. And I just thought maybe since it was, you know, a kind of a hot topic here in the uh, the newspaper that, that we should uh, just touch on that. Yeah. Yeah. We'll definitely, after the election, we'll probably get to that uh, as a subject matter. But the roundabout at 14th and Old Cheney, what would you like to see done there? Or I want the us to finally it? just, I just want us to come to a decision whatever the decision is like i want to know what the decision is yeah. um that i mean it's it's been they suggested roundabouts and then it was too expensive and then they came back with another plan and then that was also too expensive the the stoplights are both you know i'm trying to, at 7 30 in the morning to take my kids to school and both stoplights are red it, it's like a stall traffic you can't get through it takes yeah. a yeah. good 15 20 minutes during the rush hour traffic just let's get a plan in place. Let's, I mean, talk about it. Let's discuss it. Let's, let's do something and not keep putting it off and, and sure. keep bringing it up and then it goes away and then you keep bringing it back yeah. and then it goes away. It just, it's, it's frustrating for people who live in this area also because it just keeps yeah. going back and forth. I it, Yeah, I, I agree. I know that's, that's where I drive every day. So Elena, for those folks who want to learn more about what you have to say and, and about your campaign, do you have a website or a place that people can contact you? Yes, um, people can go to Newman for Lincoln. So N-E-W-M-A-N-F-O-R-L-I-N-C-O-L-N.com. 
Um, they can follow me on Facebook. I am very active on Facebook. Um, those are my two primary um, avenues, I guess, that I get information out. I'm also on other social media like Telegram and um, uh, Twitter and, and those kinds of things, but those aren't as active as my Facebook and website are. Well, very good. Well, Elena, thanks so much for coming on and chatting with Kurt and with me and, and good luck with your campaign. And uh, we hope to talk to you again in the future. So again, appreciate it. Want to thank our listeners yes. for joining us here on Our Street and we will see you uh, next time. Bye.